We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. My name is Brian Driscoll. I'm the publisher at irishbreakdown.com, and I am joined by Vince Dario, our football analyst. And today, Vince, we're going to talk about, you know, we're going to continue to talk about what we're seeing in the spring, what we're hearing in the spring. And today we're going to talk about Notre Dame's offensive skill players. And you know, to me, there's two things that are true, Vince, and we're going to play Coach Kelly's comments here very soon and, and dive into specifics, but the two things are very true. Number one is there's not a lot of proven production um, mm-hmm. at receiver. There is a lot of proven production at tight end and, and running back, but not at receiver. But the one thing is clear, by any metric you use except experience, this is a loaded group of skill players across the board. And, and that's kind of has to get you a little bit excited. And, and we're seeing it in the practice clips when, especially in seven-on-seven seven periods when there's no offensive line to give up a sack. Right. But uh, the, 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 it's certainly – it's it's going to be an interesting period because <laughs> there's – let's just dive into Coach Kelly's comments and we'll dive into the podcast and talk about the offensive skill because as we talk about the need for this group to become more explosive and dynamic and you look mm-hmm. at the personnel and you say, yeah, if you can't do it with this group, it ain't happening. That's how with I this feel. Group of coaches. That, and, and that's how I feel too. I mean, yeah. from the, from, from the, from the coaching staff, I think they have that in them. And I think mm-hmm. with the, with the personnel that they have, the depth chart that is not being handed to them because some of those guys have been there and they've cultivated yeah. that depth chart. I get that, but the depth they chart recruited, that they have, they recruited these yeah, guys. Absolutely. For the and, and so my thought is, well, you look at the roster that you've got, the depth chart that you've got, there is no reason that this position group can't be explosive. None. Zero. And every spot. Tight and if, end. Right. And, and if you back, can't make that happen, receiver. then that's when you the, the finger goes like this. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that. I'm sorry. That well, Shardy be that way, gone. but now there's well, no excuse. But you know what I'm saying? Like you can't, you can't go on national television and tell people that you don't have talent and that there's a talent gap. Right. I'm sorry. That's just not the case. So let's play coach Kelly. Let's kick things off by playing yes. coach Kelly's comments from Saturday's press conference. And he talks about it's, it's mainly he's focusing on the wide receivers, but he, he then mentions right. the other position groups and it kind of lead, led us into this conversation. So uh, let's begin by playing coach Kelly's comments. Receiver is, you know, it's it's really about, to me, more than anything else, is getting um, Wilkins, Lindsey, and Keys at the next level. That's, that's where this really is about. Um, you know, Jordan Johnson's getting better. There's no doubt. You know, he's got to continue, though, on the little things. Um, you know, he's missed a couple of practices. we got to get him back in the flow of things. But those three guys are where this is at. I mean, they have got to ascend to the championship level. They've been good. Don't get me wrong. They've been good. I need them to move to that great level. And they're capable of it. And we're seeing some signs. But this is all wrapped up in those three guys really taking that next step. Now, that's assuming we get Kevin back. You know, if we get Kevin Austin back healthy. You know, Avery's, you know, obviously been steady for us uh, in the slot. You know, you got a great tight end. Um, you got two outstanding backs, three really with Sebo. You got a pretty good offense there. But these three guys have to ascend. That's, that's really the key here for us um, at the wide receiver position. So, Vince, let's first start talking about um... – the, the comments, I mean, you, you could see it there. He's loaded at tight end. I mean, you have the arguably the best returning tight end in the sure, country. Sure. You have an outstanding backfield. No doubt. And I think that there's a couple things we can take from, from his comments, and we'll get into some of the, the things that I had an issue with. But let's kind of start off with the first part. And what he's saying there to me is that you have these three players that he talked about, Wilkins, mm-hmm. Keys, and Lindsey. Right. And we'll dive into them specifically about whether or not they can get to that level. But he makes the comment about they need to ascend to the the elite level. What he's talking about there is not that – I don't think he's saying just these are our only three guys that are going to play like it's been in the past. I'm still hearing that they're going to play a lot of different guys. Sure, It's more about now they're now the veterans. It's their time to sort of ascend to say – And I agree with that. You have to be the dudes. Right. And, and you're right. He's right about that. Now, he doesn't talk about Kevin Austin because Kevin Austin isn't practicing right now. But there's another one where the he's a talented, talented player. Braden Lindsay's a talented, talented player. Lawrence Keith's a very talented player. And, and I'm a lot higher on Avery Davis than most people are. Mm-hmm. I, I think Avery Davis has a chance to be – a. a he can do all the things that Chris Fink could do as a pass catcher, but he's sure. more dynamic in, in a lot of different ways. And when you look at that group, and that's just the veterans, right? We haven't even talked about right. younger players. That's a very talented group with diverse skills. So that's an exciting thing. And you know, we talk about though they need to play younger receivers, and we're going to get into that. Yes, we will. But two years ago, these were the dudes we were all clamoring for getting on the field. And now they're going to get on, and the now field. they're going to get that opportunity. Right. Sure. And when you watch the practice field, you know one of the questions that we have because we're doing today's show live. You know, is this question right here is it's how good is Lawrence Keys? And this this whole debate is kind of interesting because 
I just view this Notre Dame offense as very talented. And I think a lot sure. of times, folks, especially when talking about older players, look at a guy and say, well, he hasn't produced, so that equals maybe he's not that good. And, and I just say, well, look at Miles Boykin. Miles Boykin did almost nothing for his first three years. It wasn't until the LSU game at the end of his junior year that he ever did anything. Sure. And then, of course, the next year he gets out and balls out. Well, did he all of a sudden just go from like not even worthy of legit reps to baller against LSU? Did he just figure it out in that, that time between the end of the season of the bowl game? Or was it more Clearly. of a Chase Claypool was hurt, Equinemi St. Brown went down in the first half, and all of a sudden you had to play him. And when he got his chance, he balled out. And mm-hmm. that that's my whole thing. And when you look at the, the skill of this group, Vince, I mean, this is the 247 composite rankings of all the players on Notre Dame's offense right now. From a skill position standpoint. Skill position standpoint, right. yeah. I mean, that's that's a that's good talent. That's really good talent. And you know, it doesn't even include Xavier Watts, who I absolutely think is a one top 150 caliber talent in my view. That that's that doesn't include Logan Diggs, who you know how high I am on Logan Diggs. That's a pretty talented group of players. And you know who I forgot to put in there? I forgot to put George Takis in there. I oh, completely yeah. overlooked George Takis, who again, who is another guy that I'm looking it up right now. He was a four-star recruit, and he was another guy that that came with a high profile. He was 283 to a four-star number 283. And so again, this is just one metric. Everybody knows how I feel about recruiting rankings, but so Notre Dame clearly thought highly of these players. That's why mm-hmm. they recruited them. Mm-hmm. The recruiting services thought highly of these players. That's why they all had those high rankings. The talent is there. You just now it's time to show whether you can develop that talent or not. Well, yeah, I, I agree with all that. And I I guess from his comments specifically about those three guys, I, I agree with him. And I have no problem in the spring calling those guys out because he needs Brian Kelly needs veteran leadership. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, that's just how he's wired, okay? At least from what we have seen at Notre Dame, right? Now, we are hearing that they are planning to play more receivers, which is mm-hmm. great. So I have I have no problem with him calling those guys out because he's saying that I need those guys to step up and be those veterans that we need on this team. I'm totally fine with that. I would have liked him to say Avery Davis in that group as well, but maybe... Well, he mentioned him afterwards, but I, I think with Davis, he's already... I think he's already him, kind of there. There's already an establishment right. there with Avery. Okay. He started last okay. year, had some big plays and some big moments, so that's okay. kind of how I look at it with well, Avery. That's I, fine. I don't think he was saying... It's more like Avery's already there, right? Now we got to get those other three guys there. And let me ask you a question, Vince, because you used the word calling him out. Did you view that as him calling him out or more of just <sighs> like a... Maybe that's not the right word, but uh, these guys these guys listen. I right. mean, and Brian Kelly actually, in my opinion, does a good job of calling guys out when he needs to call them out. And maybe I'm not using the right phraseology, but he uses the media to his advantage. Right. And I think that this is that case, in yeah. my opinion. I think he is using the media to his advantage. He's getting those three guys' names out there so that we're going to talk about so them. So you're and not talking about calling them out from a negative standpoint. No. Like not, you're just saying, hey, look, this is the opportunity in front of you. It's Correct. almost like he's presenting them with – this is how hey guys, I feel you should be. This is, this where is I the opportunity you yes. have. What do you yes. do with it? And I think that's what he's doing. And I have zero problem with that. I think he does a good job of using the media in that way. Yeah. Um, and so that's fine with me. Now, his next press conference, when we talk about wide receivers, 
I'd really love him to talk about those young guys and how they're really Which he's not going to do. He's not going to do it, but whether they're doing it or not. That's just, I mean, right. he's been poo-pooing George Johnson from the day he stepped on <laughs> campus. But I don't want to go there yet. I want to talk about these veteran players because I think there can be a legitimate debate about how good are these guys really. Sure. And I, and I think what we find in, in fandom, especially people that follow recruiting rankings, is we're always really quick to dismiss the older players for that next group for of the guys. Next new shiny, new shiny, even toy. guys that we were previously saying we want to see these guys. Right. Well, then their time comes like, well, yeah, yeah but, but I want to see that guy. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, right. I want to see all of them. And, and, and the, the exciting thing for me is I do think these players have talent and let's dive in first with Lawrence keys. And the reason okay. I want to talk about Lawrence keys is because to me, he's the most hotly contested player. Cause I don't think a lot of people are as high on Lawrence keys as I am. Now Lawrence coming out of high school was, I think Rivals had him as a three star, but ESPN had him as had him as a top two hundred player, I believe. I think he was ranked like one hundred fiftieth or something like that by ESPN coming out of New Orleans, same same um, area that Devontae Smith came out of, and he came with a very strong reputation. He was an outstanding high school player. Mm-hmm. I loved Lawrence Keys coming out, and look, Lawrence Keys is really getting an opportunity to play once his entire career, like legitimate snaps, and that was early in twenty nineteen when you had Michael Young was hurt, Braden Lindsey was hurt, right. and. I thought he played really well. I mean, he had that clutch third down catch against Louisville. He had a great sideline catch to set up a score against Georgia, which I thought was huge. And and he's a, and that was even playing, I think, a little out of position. I don't. I think he's more of an inside guy than an outside guy. But he still showed that that excellent sure. ball skills against Georgia. He's the guy that we have seen make more plays than any other wide receiver in this group on this on the practice clips. I. I when I put out the, the practice clips yesterday, I was like, another practice, another you know sp- p- uh, video where we're seeing Lawrence Keys make plays. I mean, that's the thing that excites me is we're seeing him making plays in scramble drills. We're seeing him make plays down the field. You know, we, we're seeing him do a, a, a ton of a ton of plays, and this is what I've always felt Lawrence Keys could do. I, I thought he's a great route runner. He's a lot better athlete than people realize. This is a kid that, to me, Vince, could be sort of that breakout player for Notre Dame. I, I absolutely think he has the talent to be that. Sure. He just didn't come with the recruiting profile of maybe some of the other guys on the board. But when you watch him make plays and then you say, well, that's the guy that I saw in high school. That's the Lawrence Keys that I saw in high school. And if he gets that shot, that makes it exciting. But then the question is, Vince, do you use him and Avery Davis in a rotation? Or do you try to figure out ways to get them both on the field at the same time? That's what we don't know if they're going to do that. Right. And I think they can use them together. Yes, agreed. but it will they? That's I, a question. For I, I think it needs to be a combination of the two, right? I mean, I think they're both slot receivers. I have no problem with that. I think that if you want to go with a smaller, quicker lineup, if that's the package that you have, you can absolutely. Right? Can you imagine having Avery Davis, Lawrence Keys, and Braden Lindsay on the field at the same time? Yeah. Like speed to burn, right? I mean right. that. That that is, I would love to see that. Now I'm not saying that's who I want starting and playing the whole game, right. but I think that that's that's a package that you could exploit some defenses with. You know, if that's you wanna, what we've talked about all along, Vince is being a, you have the personnel Correct. to mix up what you do, and, and that's and that's field. what I'm saying. I, I so my answer to that that rhetorical question of yours is both. I think they should be in a rotation, and I think they should also be yeah. on the field at the same time, depending on your game plan and things of that nature. But I, I think that needs to be a package that you can go to when you when you need or want to. You know what I've been surprised by? And this could just be a social media phenomenon. This may not be how most Notre Dame fans feel. And, and I realize that social media, especially Twitter, doesn't even remotely reflect 
what I think most of society and most of fandom thinks. Twitter's its own animal. But I'm shocked at how many people are just ready to move on from Braden Lindsay. Yeah. And this notion that, oh, he's always hurt. Yet those same people will talk about, I can't wait to see Kevin Austin. Right. And that blows my mind. His whole career, too. Right. Right. You know, well, hurt or suspended or, sure, you know, whatever, whatever the case yeah. may be. Not and, on the field. And, and I'm just like, how do you not watch what Braden Lindsay did in 2019 and not think, if he's healthy, you give him every chance you, you he has to be a playmaker for you? I mean, everybody's like, oh, we need more speed. We need more speed. Okay. Well, he's your fastest guy. Yeah. But he's hurt. Forget about him. Screw him. You know, it just doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> you know, it's like this kid, this kid had 24 touches in 2019. And had a 70-yard touchdown. He had a 61-yard touchdown, 62-yard touchdown. He had a couple other plays of 50 yards, a couple other plays of 40 yards, and only 24 touches. Right. And outside of the 50-yard bomb against New Mexico, those touches and those big plays were in real games. I mean, he had a 51-yard reverse for a touchdown against USC when the game was in the first half. He had a 61-yard reverse against BC in the second half that kind of broke that game open. He had two big gains against Stanford. Mm-hmm. He had a, a, a huge play against Navy in the first half. Again, let's not forget, Navy was the only ranked team that Notre Dame beat in 2019. Talking about teams that were ranked at the end of the year. Sure. This is a kid that brings the skill set. And I and I think that I think what's happened with Braden Lindsay is he's probably never going to be, I don't think he's ever going to be a volume player events. Like he's never going to be a like Will Fuller, he's not going to catch 76 balls like Will Fuller did in 2014 or or even 65 like Will Fuller did in 2015. But I don't think that he needs to be that. Right. It's just like we've said, give him 30-plus snaps a game. Let him be part of a deeper rotation that's going to keep him fresh, limit the wear and tear. But when he's on the field, if he's not getting five to eight touches a game, you're not doing this coaching thing right. Because right. if you're going to tell me that Notre Dame needs more speed and explosiveness, and you're not going to do everything possible to make sure Braden Lindsay gets opportunities, then what are we talking about here? Because yeah, he, absolutely. to me, he is a dynamic, dynamic player, Vince, that could that can do it. We've seen him do it on post-go routes. We've seen him do it on jet sweeps. We've seen him do it on reverses. And we saw him take a screen pass against, and again, it was against New Mexico. But we saw him take a screen pass, make dudes miss, and bam, you know, go. So he's shown he can score and make big plays and, every way possible he's not just like a one-trick pony where you gotta sure. throw him quick games and reverses he can do he can stretch the field he can make plays down the field you got to get this guy you got to make this guy a focal point of your offense and he for his part vince he's got to stay healthier and sure. he's got to do a better job of of to me enhancing his overall game well and i think that the coaching staff knows his injury history obviously and so i'm hoping that they're smart with it they're not just going to start Braden lindsey and keep him out there the whole game like you need to you got to think to yourself okay this kid has x snaps in him for the season and you need to you need to be smart about that he's he's i have no problem with him starting i have no problem with that right um but he kind of needs to be like a relief pitcher like you got to keep him on a pitch count to a degree mm-hmm. now you got to make sure you get him the ball right but i think you got to keep him on a pitch count and i think he can be explosive i think he can be a game changer but you have to get him the ball right but he doesn't need 60 snaps a game. Like that's right. not who he is right now in his career just because of the injury history. And you got to remember his injuries have been hamstring related right. for the most part. And those can creep back up on you. You have to hamstrings and concussions, them, man. which yeah. are a lot of those are wear and tear type yes. of injuries. You got to be smart. And I'm, I'm right. hoping that the staff realizes that and they kind of put him on a pitch count for. The and season. I think they will. Yeah. I think they will. 
I think the guy, you know, obviously we, we won't spend a lot of time on Kevin Austin just because he's not practicing right now. And, sure. and we'll talk more about him in the fall. But obviously he's a he's a difference maker. The guy that the guy that I have a hard time talking about, Vince, is, is Joe Wilkins Jr. Okay. And, and here's why I have a hard time talking about him. Because I feel like, number one, I think he's a great kid. I think he's got an awesome story. And I think he's a quality football player. Yeah. My concern, however is that he's going to get put into a similar role that Ben Skoranek got put into, which is he's a good player that used Mm -hmm. as if used as part of rotation can be a key part of that rotation. My concern, however, it is, is that they're going to try to force him into a every down role Mm -hmm. and they're going to force him into um, sort of like a, a, he's going to play, he's going to be a volume guy. Right. And and I just, I I just don't see that. And that's my concern. And and the reason I'm concerned about that is because he's a veteran now. And that's just what we've seen. So, you know, whereas he's going to get a long, long leash, big opportunities, whereas other guys, as we've seen, are going to get less of an opportunity. And to, to the question that Dylan asked is, do I think he's a top three receiver on the current team? No, I don't. I, I think that, number one, here's the thing you like about Joe. For the most part, he's been out there all the time. He's been relatively dependable. He's had some minor bumps and bruises here and there, but nothing like nothing consistent. Sure. But at the same time, he's just not a big time playmaker. At least he hasn't proven to be that. We right. haven't really seen it in practice. He's he's caught seven balls last year. I think he averaged around, you know, 10, 11 yards per catch. If, if I'm looking at it now, I'm trying to pull it up as, as we're talking, Vince, on the stats. So he caught seven balls last year for 63 yards. He was at nine yards a catch. And and people are like, oh, that's really good. Well, Braden Lindsay caught seven catches for 63 yards, and people are saying, ah, get rid of them because of the <laughs> expectation, you know? Sure, absolutely. It's uh, different. Right. That. And so to me, Joe's a good player, but Joe has not shown me anything on the field that says this guy is a difference maker. And so – I love Joe. I think Joe should be part of rotation. Absolutely. But yeah, I, don't I think he's think done good things when he's been right. in the game. Right. But he hasn't proven that he's the guy that needs to be out there all the time. Completely right. agree. And he definitely that. hasn't shown that he can stretch the field as his right. numbers suggested. You know, he's Correct. a smart kid. He's a good route runner. He's a tough kid. He can block. And, and he's a, a quality athlete. Yeah. Somebody I would have on the field. Right. He, to me, is is a is a good part of a five to six man rotation. Yes. No question. But, but he's, he's not, not a guy that has, Right. Yeah. Right, or at least not one or two. You, you yeah. know, I mean, depending on how how some things fig, sure, you know, fall into place, because he does bring some size, and I like the fact. I think Joe can play all three positions. That's the other thing I like about Joe. I think there's a role for him at X and W and Z, and he can do different things in those positions, which I think should help him maybe get a little bit more volume than he would if he was locked into one position. But that that's my big concern, Vince, and, and that's where Coach Kelly's comments raised my eyebrows a little bit. And the hair on the back of my neck is like, okay, so now we're going to force him into the role like we did Ben Skoranek, like right. we saw him do with Ben Skoranek because he's a veteran, and it's just going to be another excuse to not play Other younger, guys. more yeah, talented right. players. Right, right, and, right, and, right. and that, that's, that's my concern when we talk about the receiver position. I totally get that. And that that's why the hair stood up on the back of my neck when he only mentioned those veterans. Now, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt, like I said before, that he's just kind of, you know, calling them out a little bit and saying mm-hmm. these guys are the guys that we need to step up. And I yeah. totally I totally get that. And I pretty much convinced myself that that was the case. Um, but I, I'm still – until I see the rotation, until right. I see it in a real game, and I'm not talking about May 1st, 
I'm talking about September 5th. When I see six guys, you know, five or six guys in a meaningful rotation, um, you know, when I see the RPOs, when I see those wide receivers being put We're in position. We're seeing them in more and more practices. I, I know We're we are. More and more RPOs. I'm, I, I'm digging it. I get it, but, I, you know, I need to see it in a game. I, I need to I'm see saying. it in the fall because it's, it's, it's easy to tinker with things in the spring. Correct. And then you get to fall and you're like, yeah, we're not going to do and that. And I'm thinking in the fall, maybe we'll be able to see something. Um, I'm hoping that the football team did announce that they're going to have football camps this summer, which is great news. Um, but that tells me they're starting to open some stuff up again, mm-hmm. which is it's great because if we were there in the spring, we usually get, what, four or five practices that we get to see pretty much the whole thing. And mm-hmm. I realize they hold some stuff back, but at least we're seeing what a rotation looks like, kind of what they're doing, what their scheme kind of looks like. If we were there and we were able to see that, I would have a completely different mentality right now. Three minutes is not enough, and three minutes is a highlight film. And that's why – and I know I'm going off on a tangent here – but that's why coaches don't just look at highlight films when they're recruiting a kid. Mm-hmm. They want to see the whole game, right? right. <laughs> they want to see what he does when the ball doesn't go his way, right? So I need to see the whole practice. I don't need to see a highlight film of what we're seeing right. at practice. So, right. again, the next time we see this team, if it's in the fall, fantastic. Um, I am hope I see what we think we're going to see. Uh, but so let, until let, then. Let's change it up a little bit, Vince. All right. So we have made very clear what we think should happen. But let's just assume for a second that Brian Kelly does what he always does. And I'm not saying this in an insulting manner. Let's just say that they're like, they're just going to play the veterans. Okay. So it's Avery Davis, Kevin Austin, Joe Wilkins, Braden Lindsay, and Lawrence Keys. And then you've got Michael Mayer at tight end. Mm -hmm. And then you've got Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree at running back with Sebo Flemister at working in there as well. Okay. And then your number two tight end is, let's say, George Takis. Okay. That's still a really freaking good no. group of players. And so that's the thing I want to make clear. This is different than my frustration of 2020. Yes. Is I want to see a bigger rotation because I want to I want to see multiple players get opportunities. I think those guys bring some different skills. But at the same time, take that aside. Take our philosophical uh, frustrations aside. If Notre Dame – we've seen Notre Dame run offenses where if, like, let's just say that they go back and study the 2015 film right? And they basically run the 2015 offense with a few RPOs mixed in. We're still going to see a jump in production from this offense, assuming the offensive line's just not God awful. And I don't think it's going to be right. Cause I I've said this to you, Vince. I I said it on a thing. Was it, was it last night or today? These radio things kind of just bleed together, but I'm not worried about quarterback and it, and it doesn't matter if it's Jack Cohn or Drew Pine or Tyler Buckner. I, I'm good. I, yeah. Whoever wins that job is going to be a really good player. Sure. Uh, this they can is execute a lot the of, yes. you think that they're going to be running. This is a lot of, a lot of talent, yes. and, and it's, it's depth of talent. But more so, you have more natural playmakers in this group. And, and you've got the two running backs, Williams and Tyree. But Lindsey, Keys, Davis, Austin – they're a completely different breed of receiver than what we saw in 2020. Not better, not worse, just different. Different, different. They're more playmaker types. They're more Correct. catch a slant, turn it into a big play, you know, uh, run a reverse and turn it into a 60-yard touchdown, something we didn't see from the 2020 offense, partly because Brayden Lindsey was hurt. In defense of the staff, if Braden Lindsey doesn't get hurt last year, if Kevin Austin doesn't get hurt last year, they play a lot more. They would have got the ball a lot more. 
Sure. So, so it's not like they just were like, "Hey, we're not going to play Lindsey. We're not going to play Austin." Lawrence Keys was yeah. sick t- a couple times last year, missed some games because of different things. So there was some stuff that went against the staff last year that made it harder for them to get those juniors, who guys that they would have played in the game. Forget the the fact that we did they didn't they didn't do a very good job, and the receivers coach is doing a really poor job of developing younger players, and has been doing it since he's been here. These older players give Notre Dame a lot of talent, Vince, because as we showed in that in that thing, you've got. Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree at running back. That's going to be, in my opinion, and I could be off here. That's going to be one of the five best one, one, two punches in college football next year at running back. In my opinion, you've got arguably the best tight end in the country in, in Michael Mayer coming back and another group of receivers. There's a lot of teams in the ACC. There's a lot of teams on Notre Dame schedule that if you said, Hey, we'll give you George Takis, Kane Barong and Kevin Bauman. When you take that trade, <laughs> yeah, sign me up, absolutely. And those are Notre Dame's two, three, and four receivers, right? Tight ends. Tight ends, yes. So, I mean, that's the exciting thing, though, Vince, is, you know, frustrations about the rotations and not playing younger players and all that kind of stuff. Just looking at what they have and who sure. Brian Kelly talked about, sure, sure, sure. that's the exciting thing about what this offense can be because, Vince, there's a lot of athleticism and talent in that group. No, there is, and you, you bring up a good point because the the quote-unquote veterans that you just brought up, it's a really good group, and they're about six deep of, of veterans, and, and that doesn't count Xavier Watts and Jordan Johnson because mm-hmm. they're not veterans, right? They're young right. guys. and so Or Lorenzo Styles or Deion Colsey. Correct. So if they, if, they go with, if they go with that veteran group only, I have no problem with that. Here, here's my caveat to that, though. You need to find time – you need to find opportunities to get those younger guys in when the game uh-huh. still counts. Sure. Okay. I'm not saying they necessarily, if, they, if that's your group, if that's your top six, that's mm-hmm. fine. But I still need to see some of those younger guys get some opportunities so that they're ready when their name is called to be mm-hmm. in that rotation. Right. Okay. And I want, I also want them to get the, uh, the opportunity to be in that rotation. I don't want them mm-hmm. to be on the outside looking in just because right. this is their second year on campus. And, right. and I'm not saying it is that way. I'm not saying it's not that way. I'm just saying I want those guys to have an opportunity. If it ends up being just the veterans, that's that's yeah. cool because you're right. There's a ton of talent there, and they, they can be explosive. And if the changes are being made to the offense that we believe are being made, those guys are going to have a heck of an explosive year. I just need to see those other guys on the field given some opportunities I get that I mean I get that right I get that and I'm not disagreeing with you on that but at the same time every show I don't want it to be about what they should do and I think the part of the excitement for me is as I look at this team is even if they don't do what you and I think they should do because we watch every other good college offense in the country and we see them do those things even if they don't do that there's still a ton of playmakers on this group. There's no Absolutely. reason that this team, even if they don't make the right decisions, that this team shouldn't be more dynamic. And, and I just going to accidentally back themselves into having playmakers right. on the field because that's what they've got on the roster. Right. Yeah, and and I when that. I look at like when people talk about the conservative nature of the play calling last year, I think that was built around because that's what they felt they needed to do with that personnel. I don't think it's, I think Brian Kelly is conservative in his approach on offense, but mm-hmm. at the same time, we've seen him when he's had. When he's had explosive playmakers, yeah. he'll he'll take advantage of that to a degree. Right. You know, we still haven't seen them score like the 40 points a game like they need to. Even the Will Fuller team with you had three first round picks on the offensive line. You had Will Fuller, Chris Brown, Amir Carlisle, CJ Procise, Josh Adams. 
they still only scored 34.2 points per game because, uh, uh, you know, we could get into the reasons why. But I just feel like, Vince, even if he doesn't do what you're saying, and, and again, I agree with you 100%. I want to see those things. But what I'm trying to, 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 to say is, and I want people to understand is, even if he doesn't do that, this offense should score a lot more. Right. If And if they don't, it's not about, you know, they say it's it's – it's not the X's and O's, it's the Jimmy's and Joe's. That is one of the worst phrases in football. <laughs> and, and and because it completely it because fans who don't coach, and, and I think a lot of fans get this, but there's some that take that and they say, Well, you know, you just if you recruit great players, you're gonna be great. That's nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Otherwise, why does Florida State suck so bad? Why isn't USC winning more games? Right? And and so it's it's you have to have the Jimmys and Joes, but at the same time, you have to put them into schemes that make them sure. more effective. And Alabama, the last three years, is a perfect example. Alabama recruited five stars at receiver and, and, and running back and offensive line for a decade. And they never came close to having the kind of scoring offenses they made the last three years when they made a schematic change. Right. 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 But so so my point is you have to have talent's great, but you have to have put that talent in position to be successful. But what I will say is, with as good as I think this defense can be, this is why I'm confident that we're going to see another 10-plus one season because we, because offensively, there's enough talent there to, to where you should be able to, to outscore all but 10 teams on your schedule, regular season schedule. The other two, you maybe got to make some plays against. And, and that's kind of where I'm coming from, Vince. I think I, that's where my excitement comes from is sure. – is I guess it's it's if I could say it this way, there's so much talent in the upper classes at receiver, and then of course at running back and, and tight end in general, positions where they've been more prone, especially tight end, more prone to play young guys. Although we've never seen them play a freshman the way that they did uh, Michael Mayer last year. We saw Alize Alize Mack play. Well, he was Alize Jones at the time in, in 2015, but that was partly because Durham Smythe got hurt in the second game of the year. You know, he he went out for most sure. of the year at that point in time. But even then, Alize caught 13 balls that year. Michael Mayer caught 42 last year with a healthy right. tight end depth chart, you know? So you look at it and you say, man, there's no excuse not to do this. And now there's obviously more pressure on the offensive line. And we'll talk about the offensive line in, in later podcasts, but man, that's Vince, getting interesting. If you're a quarterback, you're looking around and you're saying, Oh, it's like Christmas. I got yeah. all the, and, and the thing about it too, Vince, there's a lot of different types of skill sets. And for example, right. Braden Lindsay is a, uh, you know, elite you know speed guy Lawrence Keys is more of a shifty guy to answer one of the questions that Dylan Hoffman had who do you think is the best route runner in that group Lawrence Keys in my opinion I think Lawrence Keys is because he's a different type of player than Braden Lindsay there's just a lot of different types of skills and to me as a as a quarterback that's what I like as an offensive coordinator I like it even more because sure. now you're you're less prone to bad matchups and what i mean by that is you look at like the clemson game the cotton bowl in 2018 clemson had two big long corners now they weren't as big as chase claypool and miles boykin when you had trayvon mullen and you had um the other kid uh aj terrell they weren't six four but they were both six foot plus with long arms and so they could match up better against claypool and boykin than other teams right so you couldn't necessarily just out muscle them the whole game well with this type of offensive skill players you can match up. If you have big corners, you can go fast. If you have speed athletes, you can put bigger guys on the field. You could put, you know, Kevin Austin into the boundary. You could put Joe Wilkins or, or uh, you know, a Deion Colsey or, or Joe Wilkins or something like that on the outside. 
And then you could go two tight ends, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, now what are you going to do, right? And that's what I like about it too, Vince, is there's – like in 2015, for example, when they had all those fast guys, when they played Ohio State in the bowl game, Ohio State could match them athletically with their right. secondary. Right. Notre Dame didn't have those bigger guys that they could then lean on. Does that make sense? And that's the thing that I really like about this group is this is this is from just a pure potential standpoint, this has the chance to be Notre Dame's best all-around group of skill players from a, a a depth standpoint. So, no, there's no Will Fuller receiver, but Michael Mayer is going to be way better than anybody they had at tight end in 2015 because Smythe was hurt and Alizé Mack was just a freshman, right? And, and Mayer's just a better player than Alizé Mack was. Running back, T.J. Procise got hurt. You know, Torian Folsom got hurt. You had freshman Josh Adams. I mean, that was a really good running back group. I like this one even better. Because sure. this running back group can do more in the pass game. So Correct. there's just no reason. I mean, that's, I guess it's, it's maybe it's coming across negative, but for me, Vince, it's, it's kind of exciting because it's almost like you can't screw this up. <laughs> <laughs> you know oh, what I, I mean? I get it. And it, it's funny because uh, our guy Connor, um, and I got to find it because I went away from it. Come on, where is it? There it is. Uh, historical analogy. About okay, first uh, of all, can I say something real quick? You can say whatever you need to say. My what friend. what what t- what subjects do you teach? Uh, currently, I teach health and PE, but I graduated with a social studies. Degree. So did I. I got a yeah. history degree in college, and he's asking you the history question. Hey, I'm a little offended by this. I'm, one, just saying, I'm not going to lie to you. I love this because this a, well, let me ask it, Vince. Since it's your since it's your answer, okay. let me ask the question. All right. Here's a historical analogy for Vince. Could Coach Kelly become the Ulysses S. Grant? That's, of course, for those who don't know. And if you don't know, we have to have a talk afterwards. Uh, Ulysses S. Grant was the last general of the Union Army in the Civil War after many failed generals. And then, of course, Ulysses S. Grant had his own issues with decisions. But Grant made some costly mistakes, but he ultimately achieved what his predecessors could not, which was victory over the Confederate Army. Sure. So he's asking if Coach Kelly can be that, where, yes, he's made some mistakes. You know, Paul Longo, Brian Van Gorder, Charlie Molnar, quarterback. So he's made some mistakes, but could he be like Ulysses S. Grant, Vince? And well, that's kind of segued into what we were just talking about. Sure, I think he's already done better than his predecessors. I sure. Mean, if, if, we're, if we're now, I'm not going all the way back to like Lou Holtz and thing, but right. I'm saying we're talking from Bob, Bob Davey on. Correct. Yeah. So he's already done better because he's already brought the program to a spot where they are a perennial 10 win team mm-hmm. and they beat the teams they are supposed to beat and everything we've always said. I think he's already done that. Mm-hmm. And he, like you said, even with the mistakes that he's made, he has already achieved more than his mm-hmm. predecessors and to tie it into the wide receiver conversation and the offensive conversation, mm-hmm. I think that even if he makes mistakes by putting just the veterans out there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show 
by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Or whatever. He's going to be successful with this group. Mm-hmm. And, and there, it, it is what it is. The offense is going to be better this year than it was in, in the last couple of years because those guys are just more explosive. I mean, you mm-hmm. can you can turn a, a screen pass into a touchdown. You can turn a slant into a touchdown. You can turn mm-hmm. an RPO into a touchdown. All of these different things, you can back yourself into a better offense at this mm-hmm. point. And so I'm not saying that he's going to make those mistakes, but what I am saying, just because of the analogy, that yeah, absolutely. I, I absolutely see the comparison, and I think he's already done better than his predecessors. We just want him to take that next step, too. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. And, and honestly, Vince, I could I could see a scenario, and I guess this is part of my frustration with it, is I could see a scenario in which Jordan Johnson and Xavier Watts play well and don't play a ton because yeah. those other guys are, are really good too. It, it, you know, and, th- and that's why we were all clamoring for them to play more in the past. I mean, these guys are very talented. They're very talented players. And right. that's kind of the exciting part. You know, you talk about backing into it. Yeah, there's a little bit of that. You know, <laughs> but uh, it's the exciting thing. I mean, and here's, here's the other thing, too, about this. That is one of the things that hurt Ian Book recently, right? One of the things that hurt Ian Book was Ian Book – especially last year had to be right all the time. Correct. And what I mean by that is they just didn't really have the the receivers. Now Javon McKinley could make some plays down the field, but once he made the catch, you know, 40 yards down the field, he was kind of getting caught there. And a lot of times you still had to go another 40 yards. There was nobody that he could just say, you know, hit a slant or a screen or whatever to, and he's going to take it to the house. We just didn't see a lot of that. And when you look at Alabama and you look at Clemson and you look at Ohio state, not as much this past year, but in previous years, especially like in 2018 when Dwayne Haskins was a quarterback. Dwayne Haskins threw more crossing routes for long touchdowns than any quarterback I've ever right. seen in my life right. because of how good those receivers were, you know? Sure. And and uh, you just didn't have that. And so it, it forced Ian to, to make more plays and, and to do different things. And and the more you have to do that, then the more prone you are to, to miss a read or miss a throw or do all those types of things. And so – I think that limited his ability to where when you look at this current group and you look at whoever the quarterback is, Jack Cohn, Tyler Buckner, Drew Pine, I don't care who it is, and you can use those three in any order you want, it's going to take a lot of pressure off of them because they are going to have more guys, and it's not just one guy, whereas if if Braden Lindsey's hurt, it takes away your whole game plan. That's not true anymore. And and that's where Braden's got to prove to stay healthy because if he's out, then put Lawrence Keyes in there. Put – Xavier Watts in there, put Lorenzo Styles in there. You have other guys that can be that. And so your margin for error in regards to if Kevin Austin gets hurt, okay, play play Jordan Johnson, play Deion Colsey, play Joe Wilkins, right? And that's what I like about this group, Vince, is because there is so much depth that as right. long as you don't screw it up and not develop these guys, 
you have more of a margin for error. And that is so sure. important in today's football. And it, and, and I'm not even talking about this. Let's take it next level. It's not even about, is this good enough to beat Wisconsin and North Carolina and Navy and Purdue and Florida State the and those types of things? This is, to me, this is good enough talent if you use it. And this is to your point. If you use it correctly, this is good enough talent to where you say, this gives you the depth of, of playmaking ability that, I would like to see this offense, if used correctly, matched up against anybody. Right. And I guess that's the exciting thing for me if we're talking skill. Now, offensive line, we'll get into that later. But skill-wise, you know, there's well, no excuses. This group can battle people. I want to see this group of skill players get you, and that's to your point, get used in a way because I think there's a lot of playmaking in this group that say, hey, let's go battle Bama. Let's see what Bama can sure. do. Let's see what Clemson can gonna, do. Let's see what Ohio State can do. They've got Ohio State and Clemson on their regular season yeah. schedule. Yeah. I, Tom uh, pretty much says exactly what I kind of wanted to bring up here. He says, given the potential of a top 10 defense and a young, inexperienced O-line, is there a chance the staff runs a more conservative offense? I would say the exact opposite. Exactly. When I've got an inexperienced offensive line, I want to get the ball out of my quarterback's hands that much faster. Yeah. You can't be okay? conservative with an inexperienced offensive line. That's conservative to me means, you know, five-step drops. It means handing the ball off a lot, you know, all that. I want the ball out of the quarterback's yeah. hands. I want quick reads. I want screens. I want, you know, yeah. all of those different RPOs because the offensive line isn't wrong. You know, I, I that's the kind of stuff I want, and that will in turn turn it into an explosive right. offense. You know, so I think it's the exact opposite, Tom. Yeah. And thanks for the question. I mean, I, I think I it's a fair it. question, and, and, I, yeah, and I, I think do. perhaps Tom is looking at it like conservative could mean getting the ball out quickly and those type of things, and too. There's the other way. But yeah, to me, too. I think the way that teams run the perimeter, the RPOs, the quick game, the screens, you can be aggressive with those. And just if you want an example – Go watch, and this may be hard for you because I, I can't watch it again, but go watch the Rose Bowl with Notre Dame and Alabama. I mean, Alabama completed zero passes past 20 yards. Right. Zero. Right. All underneath. They, but they, but it, they were aggressive. They were still aggressive because they're quick. Aggressiveness can also mean you're pushing the tempo. It doesn't necessarily always mean I'm throwing a bunch of 40-yard bombs. You can be aggressive and not throw. Ohio State was really aggressive in 2018. Really aggressive. Dwayne Haskins completed a million balls under 10 yards. He did not throw a ton of deep balls that year. But because aggressiveness is more – in today's game, Vince, you know this, aggressiveness doesn't always mean throwing bombs all the time. Right, exactly. It's tempo. It's getting the ball out quickly, using your formations, your motions, your shifts, your personnel to get isolations, to get yourself in numbers advantages, leverage advantages, uh, m- matchup one-on-one advantages, things like that. I feel you, Hawk. I, I, I know. That's what I said. I get it. I get it. If you can't watch that game again, I understand. I I but understand. that's that's what I'm saying is 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 that was a perfect example of a team that was not throwing it. Aggressiveness to them was not throwing it a million miles downfield. However, right. you that that to your point, Vince, a conservative to me is a lot like we, we saw last year, which is run the ball a lot on first and second down. You know, take your seven man protections and your isolation routes and those kind of things right. and just right. you know, protect nickel and dime a team yeah. and all that kind of, and just but to do that you have to rely on to your point, Vince, you have to rely on a great offensive line. Correct. And Notre Dame just does not have um at least a, not a great offensive line. Right. Correct. They're, they're still trying to figure things out. And and the offense that we're talking about, you know, quick game and, and things of that nature, mm-hmm. 
that can open up the deep ball. Right. If that's what people are looking right. for, right? If if a team is constantly using RPOs and everything that's mm-hmm. close to the line of scrimmage, well, what are the what's the defense going to do? They're mm-hmm. going to start coming a little closer to the off, you know, to the line of scrimmage, and they're going to put more guys in the box. They're going to do all those different things. Well, that's when you open it up and go over the top, right? It's not go over the top and then go underneath. It's yeah. go underneath, then go over the top. If that right. makes sense, yeah, so, absolutely. Um, so all of those things can still happen, right. and right. and you've got guys that are fast enough that you don't necessarily need an amazing offensive line to go deep. Mm-hmm. You don't. Right. I mean, you're already in shotgun. You take a three-step drop and you throw it. <laughs> you know, right. I mean, you just take that well, and, and, our, and that's why we why – we, part of the reason Vince and I have harped on RPOs so much is not just that we think they're effective, but they are great protectors of an, of an offensive that line that correct. maybe isn't at an elite level. Because people have to respect it, and they right. have – they if you get – Here's the thing about football when, when, when you're an offensive coach. If the defense hesitates in any way, mm-hmm. that's a win for the offense. And when you're mm-hmm. running an RPO, that's what you want the defense to do. You right. want them to hesitate just a little bit because now you have the advantage. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I think that's what you were talking about. Not to yeah. cut you off again. No, no, you're good, man. That's kind of part of the discussion I like. And, and look, here's a comment. Honestly, the biggest determining factor is who's throwing the passes. I mean, I, I, that's true to a degree, right? Like to win a championship, that's true. Yes. Right. And, and and so to me, I, I'm not there yet. Let's see how the offensive line develops. We're, we're you know, the, what I'm referring to is, are you going to have the skill players that you can go toe to toe with anybody? And, right. and I believe that they have now to, to his question to, to, to this comment. I don't know his or her, whoever this is, who this comment is. I get this comment. And to me, that is true in regards to, OK, can they beat Alabama? Can they beat Clemson? Can they beat Ohio State? But I believe that the skill talent is such is that they can go toe-to-toe with those teams. I agree. And they don't necessarily need Joe Burrow to be in that game. I think right. what they're going to need now, the level of quarterback play to, the, to, the, to this point is, okay, that's going to be the, the, the difference between do you beat them 35-31 to 31 or do you lose to them 35-31. to 31? Sure. That, to me, is the difference. And that's why, I'm honestly, Vince, I'm just not concerned about quarterback right now. And maybe yeah. we will be once we get into the fall and, and – those type of things, but I'm just, I'm just, I like Jack Cohn a lot. Uh, you know, I've been high on Drew Pine for a long time, and Tyler Buckner was one of the three highest graded quarterback recruits at Notre Dame assigned on my board, along with Phil Dracovic and and Everett Golson. So the talent is there. It's just you know, to this question, either either my mom is is getting her football on today, or my dad is signed in on her account. And, but <laughs> this is this is true. This is about development. I mean, that's that's the key, right? The talent is there. It's about the development, and and part of me is hopeful that that things are going in the right direction, and I am more encouraged than I was a little bit ago. But you know, then Coach Kelly says something that makes me kind of, oh man, I hope I hope he's yeah. just saying that to maybe push somebody. But it is the strangest thing. He he hardly. It's like if you if you dislike Jordan this Jordan Johnson this much, why'd you recruit him? I mean, I I can't remember a time when Brian Kelly, even when he's complimenting him, it's always followed by some but. Yeah. And right. I'm like, man, like, I don't remember him. You know, it's just, it's strange. But I, I think it's because it's more of a, he is pushing back on me, or not me, but like us and the media, because we always talk about him and fans, because we always talk about him. It's like, well, don't punish the kid because you don't like how much we talk about him. You know, coach him up. But here's a, here's a question for you, Vince. Robert asked, can this wide receiver group be as good as Ohio State's was last year? Could they be as explosive? Yes. Just, yeah, I productive. They, I, yeah. I think they could be. I, I absolutely think that they could be. Now, 
Um, they won't have the name recognition going in sure. that Ohio State had, but right. from a production standpoint, yeah, I think they definitely can be. I, I'm, I'm telling you guys, I'm excited about what this offense can be because I'm excited about the talent that is here. I'm excited about what I'm seeing right. from the little videos and from what we're hearing from the coaching staff. I think this offense can be absolutely explosive, and it's going to be able to team up with this top 10 defense, right. and this team could be very, very good. If everything right. goes as we think it's going to go. Now, you're asking me, could they be? Yes, they could be. Will they be? I don't know. I mean, that, that's right. That gets into the whole scheme and all those sure. other kind of things. Let me could say this. Yes. I don't think Notre Dame has anyone that's the individual talent that Garrett Wilson was. Garrett Wilson was a five-star recruit. And to me, a legit top 50 recruit. He is a potential first-round pick. I don't think Chris Olave is an elite talent. I think Chris Olave is a darn good college football player. But I think if Chris Olave was a legitimate first-round talent, he probably comes out this year and goes in the NFL draft and is a first-round pick. He's not that guy to me. Yeah. So I, I – and now what Ohio State had last year is a lot of their most talented guys were true freshmen. And then they're coming in with some really good freshmen again this year. So – I don't know if Notre Dame can be as good as what I expect Ohio State's off receivers to be in 2021, but looking back on 2020, absolutely, because here's the other thing. After those two, I wasn't impressed with Ohio State's wide receivers last year. I think there was a, a, a bit of a drop-off, a lot of younger players that weren't quite, quite ready, that were really impacted negatively by the fact that there was no offseason in the Big Ten. Right. That, that hurt them as well, so that has to be factored into why Ohio State didn't have their typical elite receiving core. But here's the thing. Notre Dame has way better depth than what Ohio State had last year. Will they have better depth than what Ohio State had in 2021? We'll find out. But here's the other difference. Ohio State's starting tight end last year. He's a good football player, Jeremy Ruckert, from New York. Notre Dame tried to recruit him. Had 13 catches for 151 yards. Notre Dame's freshman tight end last year had 42 catches for 450 yards. And to me, that's the biggest difference. Ohio State is one of those. Ohio State and Notre Dame are the two of the, of the top schools those two use their running backs the least in the past game. Notre Dame actually uses their running backs more than Ohio State did this past year. Right. So I think when when you say, it, it, can their receivers be as good? Maybe. But when you take the whole pass-catching operation, include tight ends and running backs, no question. Now, here's the difference. Notre Dame doesn't have Justin Fields, a quarterback. <laughs> and that's a big part of the conversation. Sure. With all due respect to Jack Cohn and those players, you know, Justin Fields is, is an elite quarterback. And, and that's going to be the question mark, is I think Justin Fields elevated those, those playmakers at receiver. What Notre Dame needs it to do is they need those receivers, I think, are capable of elevating the quarterback. Sure. And yes, then if the quarterback is a decision-maker, see, here's what the quarterback in, at Notre Dame has to do in 2021, okay? Be smart with your decisions, make good pre-snap reads, make quick post-snap reads, throw the ball out, get it out on time, let your dudes go be dudes. I mean, honestly – there's going to be the least amount of pressure on the quarterbacks, in my opinion, this year than we've seen in years because of the town around him. Just, right. hey, man, just make the read and get the ball out on time and then let Lindsey go do his thing. Let Austin do his thing. Let Keys do his thing. Let Jordan, let Mayer, let Kyron, let Tyree. We, and I probably missed four guys. You, you know what I mean? That's the thing. Yeah, is, absolutely. The, that's why I'm just not as focused on the quarterback position as other people are because – I don't need you to go make roll around to your left and throw across your body 50 yards down the field. That's fine. That looks great in a, in a workout, right. but you don't need that. 
Uh, you just need guys who are going to get the ball out, run the offense, execute the offense. That's what Mac Jones did. Mac Jones isn't running around all over the place making plays. Mac Jones executed that offense flawlessly without elite physical tools. You go watch Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, and Trevor Lawrence throw at their pro day, and then you watch Mac Jones throw at his pro day, and from a pure arm talent standpoint, there's a huge difference. Right. Huge difference. He's not in their, in their league. But his numbers blew everyone else's away. Why? He had talent around him, and he executed that offense flawlessly. Exactly. And now I'm not saying that Notre Dame has that level of talent, especially when Jalen Waddle's healthy. They don't. But the point is, they have the talent to go out there and be explosive this year. And, and that's the exciting thing for me. Now, will they use it correctly and all those kind of things? I don't know. But the talent is there. And, and, and that's the foundation that you need. You know, that's the foundation that you need, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. And it, and the way I see the quarterback thing shaking out, first of all, if it's a true competition, which I do believe that it is, whoever wins that competition is going to be a good quarterback. They're, they're going to mm-hmm. be in great shape. So I'm not, I'm not really worried about that. Now, you start going through the games, and if the quarterback is really executing at a high level, then you mm-hmm. can open up the offense even a little bit more, right? right? And you can put some more on that quarterback's shoulders. If they're just doing what they need to do to get the offense moving and do what the mm-hmm. offense needs to do, then that's fine too. I mean, mm-hmm. I I think that uh, whoever gets the starting quarterback job, you're going to be able to put more on their shoulders uh, moving forward. But if you mm-hmm. can't, this offense can still be good. Right. That that's the thing. I, I don't. As much as we harped on Ian Book making decisions and 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 whatever, and and we said good, very good things about him as well. Um, I just think that the way this offense is going and with the with the weapons that are around, whoever the quarterback is going to be, this is going to be a less quarterback-driven yeah. offense. I just I, That's what I believe. Yes. And if they want to win a championship, if they want to beat the big boys, yes, you are going to have to put more on the quarterback. Right. But to win the 10 games that Notre right. Dame's been winning, you don't have right. to. Right. But what I, I guess what I would say is it's, it's what, what I think the talent requires or gives you the opportunity to do is you don't have to make the big place you look at mac jones against out notre dame i'll repeat again he not only didn't complete a pass beyond 20 yards from the line of scrimmage he only attempted one right mac jones was not making the plays against notre dame that justin fields had to make against clemson to win to win there i mean he was throwing bombs you know notre dame doesn't need that and and mac jones proved that Got broken up by almost by, got uh, picked. Right, got picked off by Hamilton. Yeah, it's about executing the game plan flawlessly, and right. sometimes it's going to require you to make a play. And and to beat the big boys, you're going to have to make some of those plays. But I think what what I what I think what we're both saying is that you don't need the quarterback to be Hercules to win those games. Now you've got to make the right read. You've got to make the right decision. Sometimes making a play is just for a quarterback. Is you see the blitz. You drop back, you hit your drop, and just get it out quickly. Get it. Let yeah. your playmaker go make a play. No doubt. Sometimes that can be it. So, Vince, that's kind of what we're what we're our, our discussion here. We do have some questions and some comments that I want to get to. Uh, so now that's kind of wrapped up our offensive skill part of this yes. podcast. Now we want to talk about some questions and and some comments that people have. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about how we became Notre Dame fans. And Vince, I've received emails. I've received, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, just tons of stuff of people sharing it. And I love it. Here's one from Urban Castaneda. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. How I became a Notre Dame fan, son of Mexican immigrants living in Los Angeles. I was learning football as a kid. A friend invited me to watch the Notre Dame, the 1988 Notre Dame SC game. 
Tony Rice breaks down the sideline and house erupts. I think that's awesome. Okay. In LA, you know, too. You know what I found though? I found because when you think about Mexico and, and that there's a it's a it's a much heavier Catholic area yeah. oh, than yeah. we are. And I found a lot of people that have immigrated from Mexico if they like football, they're Notre Dame fans, which is pretty cool. And so 1988 Notre Dame USC, which is by the way, the same year I really became a big Notre Dame fan. My game was more of the of the um the Miami game was it for me. That was when I was hook, line, and sinker. The interesting thing about that about that 88 USC game that, that Urban brings up is I have a memory of that game too. You remember those big satellite TVs they had back in the day? They were like the, like the little mini in-house screens, and they had the giant satellite in the backyard. I had this friend named Jameson Jennings whose dad had one of those. And so we watched the 88 Notre Dame USC game because it was on ABC on one of those big like television screen, like they look like movie theater type of things. You remember, you know what I'm talking about? And you had to have those giant satellites in the backyard, like look like you were like looking up at the the moon or something. And and that's how I watched that game, which was pretty cool to be able to watch that game on here. Troy McIntosh um, had sort of a comment question, Vince, that I, I want to a- address here. He says, and I get where he's, I think that he's coming from a good place. I think this is, this yeah. makes a lot of sense. When he quote unquote calls kids out, is there a possibility he's letting them know they could get passed by Xavier Watts, Jordan Johnson, Lorenzo Styles, and, and Kevin Austin? I would say, Troy, in theory, I think you could absolutely be on to something. The only reason I'm less skeptical or why I'm less accepting of that and more skeptical is that is is just looking at Coach Kelly's history. Right. Because he hasn't been willing to to use young players to push guys aside. Right. We just haven't seen him do it. So to me, you know, part of, of taking into context of a comment, you know, like, like coach Kelly made is to say, well, what, what's the history been like? You know, so if you're, if you're a, you know, certain positions, if you're a a young offensive lineman, we've seen young freshman, redshirt freshman and true freshman play at Notre Dame, especially redshirt freshmen. So yeah, if you're a veteran offensive lineman, I think there's a chance you could say, okay, look, if you don't step up we're gonna play Rocco Spindler and okay well that's probably challenging some of those older guys to step up because they have played freshmen we saw Robert Hainsey Steve Elmer definitely seen him play redshirt freshmen but when you look at coach Kelly's history they just haven't used young guys like that and the only times they have are when they just didn't have any other older guys to play in 2016 is a perfect example TJ Jones is an example who else are gonna play John Goodman you know I mean there there really wasn't anybody else to play so that's why I'm, I'm a little skeptical about whether or not he's doing that. Now, if that's what Coach Kelly is doing and Troy's right, great. That's awesome. That's where your competition should be. That's how you should – hey, look, veterans, you don't want to bring it every day. That's fine. Jordan's chomping at the bit. X is chomping at the bit. Sure. Lorenzo's chomping at the bit. When Deion Colsey gets here in August, he's going to be chomping at the bit. So if you don't want to bring it, then we're going to f- – I just – I'm skeptical just because of the 10 years of, of, of history that we've seen from coach Kelly. Um, Thomas Walsh says there's an embarrassment of riches on offense, hoping Kelly unleashes Reese a bit to, on play calling hundred percent agree. Yep. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, <laughs> exactly. We've it. had a lot of comments about quarterback. Here's one from Hawk one drew Bryant throws an amazing ball. looks special to me. Hopefully Buckner stays with us. But Pine looks to be promising despite his size, but his arm is special, tightest spiral I've, I've seen. We, Drew, I mean, that's why we've been talking about Drew from a while ago. We were catching yeah, flack for saying, hey, you Pine. don't sleep on Drew Pine. Oh, you're yeah. an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. Well, he's a pretty good football player. I, yep. I like what Drew can do. And, but it just goes to say, look, I, 
I, it's natural that people are going to pick their, pick their guys, you know, Hey, look, uh, I'm a cone guy. I'm team pine. I'm team Buckner. I'll be team Notre Dame. Right. That's for me. It's like, I think all three of these guys can win as long as the starter is the guy that genuinely won the job because he was the best guy, not the oldest or the guy they recruited or fits the system, but what play your best guy. And I don't care who it is who play, who wins the job. And if they do that, then then I don't care who's a quarterback. I, I really don't. I, I just have a great deal of confidence for what these guys can do. Vince, there was a question for you up here I'm trying to find. Here we go. This is from Emmanuel Butler. Vince, this was for you. How does Notre Dame bridge the gap between the skill players to play with the other top-tier programs? How does Notre Dame be, how, how do Notre Dame beats, uh, beat the Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio States of college football? Well, I mean, I think they're on the right path. They've got guys. They've got the guys on the roster to do that. Um, you talked about the Jimmys and Joes and X's and O's. They've got the Jimmys and Joes, in my opinion. Now you need a little bit of X's and O's. And, again, it appears as though they're moving in the right direction with all of that so that they mm-hmm. compete. They can compete, excuse me, uh, with those top-tier programs. Now, I also said, and we also said, that it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. They're going to be able to make this offense what it needs to be, et cetera, et cetera. What I will say is that quarterback, whoever it is, needs to take it to another level in order to beat those teams. Right. And I think that they've got the skill guys. I think they've got the offensive line guys on the roster. Whether they achieve that this year or not is still, you know, we'll see. But – Pretty much everybody along that starting offensive line and key backups are all going to be back next year within mm-hmm. you know a little bit of reason. But they're going to have a lot of experience going into next year, so I'm not as worried about the offensive line. But whoever the mm-hmm. quarterback is, they've got to take it to the next level. They're going to have right. to. They, they can't just be there and be a guy. Right. Uh, that'll get them 10 wins, but it won't let them beat Ohio State and Alabama right. and Clemson, whoever the top-tier teams are. Right. I just think those guys are good enough to beat those teams if they if they're really on their game with the talent around them. That's what I mean when I say I don't care about who the quarterback is. I think these are all really good football players. Sure, sure, and and that's why I just have a a lot more confidence in them. And and I think that they they can better execute the things that Brian Kelly wants to execute. In in my opinion, I think that they're the you know are just the their their consistency. I mean, the ability Jack Cohn is really good about anticipation. That was something Ian Book was never great about. I've seen a ton of film of Jack Cohn where where guys making a break and the ball's already coming. You know, and that's the thing that you need to do in those big games, and that can that can compensate for maybe some issues where you're, you're not maybe as physically gifted as Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence or those kind of guys. And and that's a perfect example of what we talked about when it comes to uh, Mac Jones, Mac Jones isn't sniffing the, the, the league of physical talent that those the top, the other top four quarterbacks are, they're all better athletes. They all have better arms. They all have significantly better arms in my opinion, but he was every bit as good of a college football player last year because of his, of, of this right here, his timing right. is anticipated. Those guys are smart too. Not saying that, but his anticipation and his timing and his ability to throw guys open to me, Vince was was outstanding. Here's a question from Jawan Lee Vince. I'm going to let you ask the answer this one first. What do you think is our ceiling for the season? Man, I I don't think there's any way they don't win ten games. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't see. So I that's, think that's the, the floor, floor. That's right? The floor. Right. You know, I'm working my way through this. Okay? <laughs> Uh, that's the floor for me. Now you're talking 
and I would be hard pressed right now to pick out two losses. Mm-hmm. Like to, to be like, yes, that's definitely going to be a loss, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the 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 ceiling is an undefeated season mm-hmm. in my opinion. Right. Now they do. Now, can I ask a question? Do you yeah. mean undefeated regular season, or are you talking about just in general? Like, okay, undefeated regular season, and then that obviously gets them into the playoff. I'm going to need to see more to be convinced that they can win a playoff game at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, the ceiling is an undefeated regular season. This schedule works out really well for Notre Dame this year. Yeah. It just does. It's not a schedule that scares me in any way. I would not in any way be surprised if they went undefeated. Um, but again, I'm going to need to see some games before I start making any predictions on what yeah. they do in the playoffs. I, I just yeah, that, that's where I'm what I would say, Vince, is the spring for me is the time to talk about the floor. I think we need to see more, to your point, we need to see more in the fall. You know, we need to see the, some of these young linemen take another step. There, right. And the reason I say that is because that's true for everybody. Absolutely. Everybody in college football right now is, is, is uh, well, we're not sure about this. We're not sure about that. This guy has to develop. We're waiting on this to happen. That's with everybody. And so that's why I think it's, it's for me, I just – Let's just we got to see some maybe there's some injuries happening in the fall for Notre Dame or other teams. There's sure. just a lot that has to happen before I'm ready to kind of to say that. Here's a question, Vince, from Searcher Green Nine. If Cohn wins the job, I'm gonna give my answer, Vince. I'm curious to see what yours is. If Cohn wins the job, who do you want to see taking the trash snaps? Pine or Buckner more? Or like 25 to 75 percent for one. So trash snaps, trash late snaps. minute, you know, late game snaps, you know, yeah, when well, you don't team out. I would like to see Pine take those snaps. I would like to see Buckner, if he's legitimately pushing for that number two job, I I have not changed my mind on this. I'd like to see Buckner getting snaps within the game, whether it be a red zone situation, whether it's a short yarded situation. I would like to see Tyler Buckner still worked in during the game. Game one, Florida State, I'd like to see that. So if you're going to do that, if you know, because this is this is our our opinion, if you're going to do that with Buckner. Then I want to see Pine get the the late game snaps where it's, you know, you're, you've got the games in hand. But whoever's getting those snaps, what I definitely need to see more of this year than we've seen in the past is letting those guys run the offense. And and this is one thing I always liked about Bobby Bowden. He'd put his backups in the game and they'd throw the ball and people would whine mm-hmm. and complain about running it up. He's like, hey, you know, those guys practice too. Those guys need work too, and that's absolutely true. If you're throwing the ball with your starter in the fourth quarter, that's running it up. If you're putting your backups in the game and letting them throw the ball, that's not running it up. Now, if you're running like play action, reverse, throwback, yeah, okay, now you're just kind of being a whatever, but let them run the offense. That's how I would do it. What do you say, Vince? Um, I have a, I guess I have more of an unrealistic um, answer to this question. I, They have eight quarterbacks on the roster. Uh, I would want any but the other three to take trash naps. I don't – handing the ball off – I could go in there and take a snap and hand the ball off mm-hmm. like that. That doesn't that doesn't do anything for me. I want those guys to get snaps when it kind of matters a little bit. You know whether that's a special package, whether it's I don't I don't know. Like I said, it's probably unrealistic to have that for two other guys, and I get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess I'm kind of on the same page as you are. But mm-hmm. send in Ron Paulus the third to to hand off. Like but I don't. I, I do think there's a need for those guys to get in those late in those games just to get get snaps in to to get your handoff working. But that's to my point is I don't want to see anyone taking trash naps, which just hand it off three and out and go. Right. I want to see them be allowed to run the offense. Yeah, we and haven't that's seen my that. big that's, thing. That's right. the problem. You've right. not seen that. But I'd still see, rather see Drew Pine just turning around, handing the ball off in front of however many tens of thousands of people 
than for him not to play at all. I guess that's the one thing I would disagree with you on. I get your pushback against that, but for me, it's just – My my point was I want those other two guys to get time elsewhere, not in the trash snap. So in my mind, those two guys have already played. Right. And so you get those trash snaps to somebody else. Right. I got you. I understand that. A lot of people sharing about how they became Notre Dame fans. And, Vince, a lot of people on this thing are kind of around the same time frame that you and I were. Well, maybe more so me since I'm a little bit older than you are. Uh, So – um, yeah, I was more the the, uh, the early '90s right. uh, is when I kind of jumped on board. Right, I guess you're you're a little younger. You're Just a little a bit little younger, bit. which is okay. It's okay. And I didn't have a I didn't have a dad who watched football like that. wasn't I had to find it myself, uh, and I had to find it through my friends and things like mm-hmm. that. And I had, you know, I started playing football when I was in seventh grade. So that's kind of when I started getting excited about football, and that was the early '90s. So that mm-hmm. was like '93 area mm-hmm. and that's when i got started getting excited about notre dame football so it all kind of goes in together so here's a question from david knight vince brian and vincenzo i have also watched film on jack Cohn as much as brian no i'd hope not because then i'm not doing my job well uh when the pocket was closing on cone he was still looking downfield he was not looking to run what do you think my huh. my thoughts on that is um yes that's true but i i kind of like that first of all sure and the other part of that is I think that was more of a byproduct of playing for Wisconsin than it was because we've seen, look, you go back and watch the Michigan game from 2019 when Jack Cohn drops back, Michigan's blitzing on the, or Michigan's pressure on the outside, but there's nobody there. He steps up and runs for like 20 some yards for a touchdown against Michigan. He will run, but that's just not the offense that Paul Christ is running right now. It's, you know, if, if, if you're, if the pocket's collapsing, dump it off to your check down. So that's why he would wait longer is you've got a tight end on a check down. You've got a cross coming, you've got a running back swinging or something like that. Take the check down. But I, I think that also led to them to get them getting some snacks. And I think that letting to led to him to maybe holding on the ball a little bit longer when things weren't open than I would have liked to see him do. But I think that was more of a nature of the offense than, uh, uh, than anything else. So we, we have some uh, we have some some Brian Denbo. Look, we are envious of you guys, so don't call yourself an old fart. We I wish we could have watched Joe Montana. Um, <laughs> you know, we we talked about Lou Samoj in our podcast. You know, Lou's favorite game, Vince. I don't know because I don't know how much you were in the office working with him. But if I wanted to get Lou distracted, I just start talking about the the, the Notre Dame Alabama Cotton Bowl game, where or was it the Sugar Bowl? I can't I think it was Sugar Bowl. Where was it? Was it Tom Clements that threw that ball out of the end zone to the tight end? That was Lou's favorite game, and and that was back in '73. So if you wanted to get Lou distracted, you could start talking about about that, and uh, and and he would. And I think this is the one that D Rock is talking about. So D Rock, you're talking about that. I think this is the game, the '73 Sugar Bowl game, where the Irish beat Alabama. That was Lou Samoji's favorite game. And he I remember one time I was like, "Hey Lou, you know," I asked him like about this game, and he stops what he's doing, gets <laughs> on YouTube. And just looks up the 73 game and he takes me to that play. He's like, that was his favorite play. You know, that was his favorite play. So that was Lou's favorite game. And and that was kind of Lou's formative years, you know, as a younger, as a young, as a kid. I mean, Lou was a kid and then. So that that was his favorite game. So that that's uh and I think that's what David's talking about, right? David, I think this is the same play that you and D Rock are all talking and Lou are all talking about the same uh, same play. So um definitely. Walk, walk. Has something? He's like born in 1978, dude. You're not old. 
All right. Yes, that, because if he's old, I'm old because we were born the same year. And I, yeah, look, I got some. Look at the gray. This isn't gray. There. I had some powdered donuts today, and I just haven't washed them off yet. Well, so. I haven't. There's serious gray there. I blame yeah. my five kids, but I was born yeah. in '80, so I'm not that far behind you, my friend. There we go, Connor. You're back in my good graces, my man. We're good. We're good. So. <laughs> you're good, buddy. We're good. Um, but yeah, yeah, Vince. Just to kind of wrap it up, I don't think we have any more questions. If we, if I missed a question, I apologize. And look. I'm going to say the same thing on Friday. I did not get to everybody's question on Friday, this past Friday. We went two and a half hours, and there were still probably 10, 12 questions. And it was just – it was getting kind of long. I had stuff that I had to get to, and I apologize for that. We pride ourselves, and we always want to pride ourselves on on answering everybody's question. Yeah. If you guys take the time out of your day to come be a part of our show, you know, that we we love it. We, we're so appreciative of that. But sometimes I may miss a question, and, and y'all are chatting a lot in there too, so, which I think is awesome. So if I ever don't get to your question, it's not intentional. Right. Well, sometimes it is because it's a question that I don't think is one that should be discussed on the air, but that rarely, rarely happens. Okay. It's just because we miss over it. We run out of time and we apologize. And, and look, if it's bring it back the next time and we'll try to get to it or shoot me an email. Hey, I asked this question and you didn't get to it. And what, and what we'll do is in the next show that, that we're talking about that subject, we'll, we'll lead off with that. So it's always our intention to make sure. Well, Tommy, I definitely, I definitely um, uh, avoid some of yours, okay? Because that's just, that's just, you know, I'm still, still a little mad at you. So I definitely. Uh, uh, <laughs> I had to answer this one for Tommy. Normally, yes, I am teaching, but it is an e-learning day. So uh -huh. the way I look at it is, I'm e-learning with all of you. We mm -hmm. are, we are e-learning together. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wednesdays are good days. Yep. Uh, so I, I appreciate that. And Bobby, Bobby McCarthy joined the show today. So <laughs> welcome Bobby. Appreciate that. Even though it doesn't show up on here, I looked at the Facebook page and that's who that is. So, um, anyway, so that's, that's, uh, I just want to make sure we understand that. Cause there was a lot of questions we got and I'm like, Vince, if, if I get to all these questions, it's going to be over three hours long and then 10 more questions are going to come up. Right. So I just got, I got, I'm sorry. I got cut this off as much as I love talking. Uh, you know, I just, I, we had to cut that one loose, but we'll be back again on Friday with another live podcast. Absolutely. Um, I'm contemplating, I'm not sure if I'm going to do this or not yet. I, I'm contemplating doing a recruiting show tonight because we had a recruiting question here about receiver. I'm, there was I'm, a couple I'm, in there. Yeah. And like, I just, so if you're watching now, I just released my slot receiver, big board at irishbreakdown.com. So go check it out. I have some guys that are committed elsewhere in there just so there's some control. So it's not just like one, two dudes. Uh, so, so check, I'm not mad at you, Tommy. I'm just joking with you, buddy. Um, but, uh, uh, so, so that's out on the website. Check that out. I'm thinking what I'm going to do tonight is, is maybe around eight o'clock. I'm not hundred percent sure on this. I'll send a, a reminder as soon as we lock it in, but I may have a recruiting show tonight where we talk about, where I'm going to talk about Notre Dame re receivers. You can't be there cause you have practice tonight, right? Vince. I, I do have practice um, tonight. We'll see. Maybe but, I'll make uh, it special. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what time you get home. You'll be in your baseball gear. It'll be it's great. Have a game. So right, or, but uh, so we'll we'll talk some receiver recruiting. Answer some questions. Maybe watch a little bit of film. So we'll we'll do that probably tonight around eight o'clock Eastern. So if you guys and gals are able to make it, then we'd love to see you. Uh, I'll talk about recruiting, but then also we'll ask some answer some questions about recruiting. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Again, not a hundred percent sure we're going to do that, but I'm leaning towards that right now. Just depends on how much work I can get done between now and then. But anyway, so that's it. That's going to be it for the show. Vince, again, thank you for taking time out of Absolutely. your your busy e-learning day to yeah. uh, to, to do this show with us. I know it was hard for you to, to do e that. E-learning e PE class. Yes. Thanks to everybody else that was part of our show today. Uh, this is awesome.
So Tommy will not be there tonight. That's and awesome. For the best reason ever. For so the awesome. absolute best reason ever. So uh, appreciate y'all being with us. Stay safe. Have a good time out there. Hopefully you're not in Indiana where we're getting flipping snow the last two days, a little bit of snow, although it's finally getting a little sunny today. Uh, be Check out irishbreakdown.com. As my man D-Rock likes to remind everyone, hit the subscribe button if you're on YouTube. And then also hit the notification bell so that way you know when we are – uh, gonna have a show where we put something out and, and then also if you're listening on podcasts, make sure that you subscribe on whatever platform you use, give us a five-star rating. And of course, check out irishbreakdown.com. There's always lots of fun things happening there. And we now have someone, we've talked a lot about that 1973 sugar bowl, RJ Gerving or RJG Irving. One of those two was at the game. That's pretty awesome. He was at that game. So, uh, that's really cool. Yeah. And I, I think then wasn't the Sugar Bowl played on Tulane's campus then? I believe it was. I'm not 100% sure. I me think neither. that's what Lou told me. You and when we were talking about with our good friend Lou Samoji, who would know that answer like I, that. But that's the only reason I think I know it is because I think Lou told me <laughs> because that. He told you. Yeah. <laughs> because he told me that. <laughs> so I believe it was at Tulane. It wasn't played in the Superdome because I don't even know if the Superdome was a thing back then. But anyway. Um, thank you all for joining us. Have a great rest of your day, and we will talk to you all again very, very soon. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.